Well, good morning. I did mean to say earlier that I'm grateful to Christina Poe and Kelly Hill for their music this morning and for Bob Walther for doing the tech so we can all see everyone on Zoom. Our text for today is 1 John 4, 7 through 21. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and that he in us because he has given us his spirit and we have seen and testified that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the son of God, God lives in him and he in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in him. In this way, love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment because in this world we are like him. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother, whom he has seen, cannot love God, whom he has not seen. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Let us pray. Lord, thank you for this day to come before you, to sit and rest, and to hear your word for us. Amen. Well, it is ironic that I will be preaching in John's first epistle today. In spite of the fact that this epistle may drive a certain pastor, who will remain nameless, a little crazy, I chose to preach on it anyway. Today's passage is a letter written by the Apostle John, who also wrote the book of John. He was the first cousin of Jesus and a fisherman. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. It was written when John was apparently having some senior moments. But all in all, the topic of love is so interesting to explore and more importantly, to receive. First John was written to counter the thoughts of Gnosticism and reaffirm that God was incarnate. Gnosticism was the belief at the time that man's body was made of matter and therefore was evil. They held the thought that God only exists in the form as a spirit, and so they believed that Christ's body was evil since it was made of matter. They separated matter from spirit. Gnostics considered the spirit good. Consequently, Christ coming as God incarnate was not very popular with these folks. 
According to Christianity, God was fully man and fully divine simultaneously. We are going to start with a story in Genesis today and then move to 1 John. But don't worry, I've left out a lot of chapters and books in between. The title of this sermon is called Born of Love because God is love in his very being. God is love through both word and deed to us. We cannot know love apart from God or even begin to love others without knowing God's love. In the beginning, the world began with God. God existed and created a magnificent and glorious world. God created the sun, the moon, and the stars. It was full of trees, rivers, oceans, sea creatures, animals, green grass, the desert, and so much more. All creation sprung from this God who was and is love. Out of God's great love, he created humanity, Adam and Eve. God is at the heart of the story. God called creation good. Oddly, in the story of creation, the word fall is never mentioned, nor is the word sin. However, it was said that eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil would lead to death, which is the opposite of life. According to theologian Rachel Held Evans in her book, Wholehearted Faith, she suggested that perhaps the failure of Adam and Eve wasn't the desire to know right from wrong or good from evil, but rather it was in their attempt to do shortcuts to find knowledge apart from God. She goes on to say maybe it was like trying to grow up too fast and a little child running away from their loving parent before they were ready to run. Very interestingly, Rachel proposes that maybe the story of Adam and Eve is not about a single moment, the great fall that explains the origins of evil and the presence of death, but rather about the many moments in which human beings face a choice between independence and interdependence on God. Even after Adam and Eve decided to go on their own way apart from God, God still pursued them in the garden. God walked in the cool of the day as they hid from the Lord because they were naked. He continued to pursue their relationship with him. He asked, where are you? The question was more about who they were than their actual location. God may have been saddened that they had chosen to step away from his instruction. However, he did not end relationship with them. Instead, he made garments from skin and clothed them. Now humanity had come to know the difference between good and evil. For many, the story of Adam and Eve can lead to a sense that we are unworthy of God's love, or even maybe incapable of doing any good. If we see ourselves solely as sinners and broken, also accepting the blessing that God called us good, we miss something. We miss the fact that God called us good, that God loves us and cherishes us. The challenge is embracing the mystery that God in his very being created us in love 
and blessed us and continues to pursue us even when we choose independence over dependence on God. Maybe if we hold on to the blessing and promise in 1 John that God is love and that God came to earth in human flesh to unite us and identify with us, it can change our perspective on how we see ourselves. Perhaps it reminds us that our sin and brokenness don't define us, but that God's love does. We are children of God. God came to earth. He empathized with us through the person of Jesus. Jesus laughed, wept, was angry and sad. Jesus was raised in a family, celebrated at parties. He worshiped in the temple. He wept. He spoke against religious leaders and suffered and died under the hands of the Roman Empire. God showed his love in word and deed. God is the source of love himself, but he also acted from love by sending his son so that we may be in relationship with him. As 1 John says, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. It is not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. So whether we are choosing independence or dependence on God, we are assured of Christ's love for us. Even when we make mistakes or hurt others, we are loved. Even when we choose to go out on our own and try to live without God, God still pursues us. Even when we give up on ourselves, God doesn't give up on us. He doesn't let us go. Can you hear him calling your name? According to John, this love we receive is not to be self-contained. It is made complete when we share it with others. God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. John goes on to say, for anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Whoever loves God must also love his brother. I once heard a sermon titled, Love is Tricky. I thought the title was apropos, a description of love. It can seem elusive at times, and love is extremely hard to live out. What happens when the other person doesn't see things the way we do? Or when the other person causes you pain? In Matthew, when Peter asked Jesus, how many times must I forgive my brother? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, not seven times, but 77 times. This response reveals the kind of love that is not possible without the love of God. God's love is infinite, and he is able to forgive us infinitely. His love goes far beyond what we can imagine, even when we choose to depart from him. Yes, we are born of God, and since God is love, we are born of love, a love that lasts and never dies, a love from God who calls us by name, a love that beckons us to remain dependent on him. 
a love that showed us the way and is the way. In the parable of the prodigal son, the younger son took his inheritance and squandered it in wild living. Once the son had spent everything, a severe famine went throughout the land. The man found himself desperate without anything to eat. So the son hired himself out to earn his living, but was still hungry. He came to his senses and remembered that at his father's house, even the hired hands had food to spare. So he decided to return. I can imagine that a father could have been very upset, angry, or disappointed in his son's choices. Upon his son's return, one might have imagined a scolding or a cold shoulder. However, surprisingly, the father was filled with compassion when he saw his son. He ran toward him with open arms and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son responded that he had sinned against his father and heaven and was no longer worthy to be called his son. He was so happy to have his son back. The mistakes and broken relationship were not as important as the restoration of the relationship. There is a classic children's story that exemplifies the love a mother has for her child and the length she would go to pursue her child. Many of you probably already know this story. It is called The Runaway Bunny by Margaret Wise Brown. I'd like to share part of it with you. Once there was a little bunny who wanted to run away. So he said to his mother, I am running away. If you run away, said his mother, I will run after you, for you are my little bunny. If you run after me, said the little bunny, I will become a fish in the trout stream and I will swim away from you. If you become a fish in a trout stream, said his mother, I will become a fisherman and fish for you. If you become a fisherman, said the little bunny, I will become a rock on the mountain high above you. If you become a rock on the mountain high above you, said his mother, I will be a mountain climber and I will climb to where you are. If you become a mountain climber, said the little bunny, I will be a crocus in a hidden garden. If you become a crocus in a hidden garden, said his mother, I will be a gardener and I will find you. The story continues and the bunny continues to become a lot of things so that his mother won't find him. But his mother insists she will pursue him. At the end of the book, the little bunny says, shucks, I might as well stay where I am and be your little bunny. And so he did. Like the little bunny running away, the first epistle of John reminds us that in the beginning we were born of God and born from love. We cannot know love apart from God's love. When we live in love, as we live in God, we affirm this blessing that God called humanity good. Whether we cease to be dependent on God like Adam and Eve, or are running away from God like the lost son or the runaway bunny, we have many moments which to face the choice of independence or dependence on God. And whatever we choose, God still longs to be in relationship 
with us. Amen.